The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Welcome to For the Love of Wine on Fresh FM. I'm your host, Kirsten Rothschild. Awesome, and I hear that Kirsten, which is the same name as my wife, and I know she has Danish origins as well, um, so I may just go back to the Kirsten, which is the... the um, so I apologise for that, but... Um, that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> it is true, I am originally Danish, and we do pronounce it Kirsten, so there you go. So every year is different. And turning the old humble grape into a product that I think gives people joy and changes the way we view the world and the way food tastes. And, yeah, a lot of problems have been solved over a glass of wine. Rosé used to be, you know, the, the summer wine, but actually it's quite popular throughout the year now. Is that what you see as well? Yeah, we see um, basically in our sales that it used to be very much 90% was sold from November through to March, um, and with only 10% from kind of, you know, uh, that April through to October, November. So it was very seasonal. But now I think, if you think about it, Savion Blanc is drunk all year round, uh, Pinot Gris is drank, drunk all year round, and these are quite fresh, light, and whites. So rosé is actually a mix of, it's mainly red wine. Um, so there's no reason why it shouldn't be drunk in the winter. The more you understand science, chemistry and um, you can really almost step back and guide the wine and use oxygen at um, certain stages or to really build and soften the wine as approach to aiding fining agents and you can also use less sulfur. Your mother, Christine, what role did she play in the early days in this wine adventure? Uh, she was really involved, and it's one of these things that, yeah, often people, and I'm glad you asked that question, because a lot of, lot of people, and I would, have brought, I would have brought mum into it anyway, but a lot of people do, you know, they focus on, 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 on Ivan, but um, on my father. But mum was really, really super involved. I mean, dad sort of had the passion initially, but mum was hugely involved in, in the process all the way through, well bringing up, you know, four, four boys. <laughs> So, um, yeah, she was involved in sort of planting that initial vineyard. And when it, when it came to setting up Pegasus Base, and this was 10 years, roughly 10 years later, when Dad sort of, Mum and Dad both felt that, you know, there was a future for growing grapes in, in Canterbury. And um, so they decided to sort of break away and, and start something on their own, um, break away from the, the, the sort of the group and, and, um, and, and do something on a slightly bigger scale. And so Mum, Mum was hugely involved in... And all of that, so finding the land and planting the vineyard. I mean, because Dad was still working full time, Mum was actually the one out there on the weekdays, mm. um, kind of keeping everything, keeping everything going. There's only two plantings in New Zealand, and there's less than a hectare. Wow! Um, with the two plantings um, uh, together, mm-hmm. anyhow, this this vineyard I lease was planted in 2010. It was the first planting of Fiano in New Zealand, and. Um, I have the opportunity to lease that vineyard. I look after it myself. I play Italian opera to it as I'm working in the vineyard just to make it feel at home. 
my degree's in botany, so I love plants. So I love being out in the vineyard, and I'm a sort of a, a scruffy person, so I get covered in dirt and dust out in the vineyard. I love the winemaking process. I think wine people can be a bit judgmental, so, you know, you've got to like certain grape varieties, and, you know, if you don't like other ones or you say you like something, then people always look a bit like, oh, dear, poor old you. But my feeling is doing what you want, you know, if you enjoy it, good for you. I got a vision of having a very small vineyard, um, biodynamic vineyard, which I, I won't won't make wine. I won't be marketing wine. I'll find someone who I respect to uh, hopefully put it under my under my own name through their brand, and I'd be very happy just pottering away in the vineyard every day, giving me a little bit of focus. Fantastic. I, Fantastic. I think my son Ryan would be very keen to pick up the brand side of it at some point, but. I'll just get the fruit in the ground and I think we'll get the vines in the ground and that'll, that'll be enough for me. I think I'll go fishing after that. This was a little trip down memory lane with snippets of conversations I've had over the past two years with wonderful people from the New Zealand wine industry. It's been a blast, but today is a special day as this will sadly be the last edition of For the Love of Wine. I began broadcasting my wine chat show in August 2020 as a result of having plenty of time on my hands thanks to COVID, lockdowns, etc. I've thoroughly enjoyed meeting and interviewing more than 50 fabulous people from the New Zealand wine industry, be it winemakers, winery owners, wine writers, viticulturists, masters of wine, etc. And trust me, There are many more I'd love to interview, but New Zealand has opened up to the world again and my life is changing as a result of that. Even though I'm really, really passionate about the wine made in Aotearoa, New Zealand and all the amazing stories that go with it, I can sadly no longer find the time to do for the love of wine. But rest assured, I continue to showcase and promote New Zealand wine via other platforms such as wine tasting events, wine tours and my virtual New Zealand wine experience done through the Airbnb platform. Okay, enough about me. Let's get on with today's show. I've invited Daniel Brennan. Welcome, Daniel. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm so pleased that you are able to be here on my last and final show. So, um... We're going to chat about you and your company, Decibel Wines. But firstly, Daniel, I just want to read this quote. Daniel is a Philadelphian who, after tasting a Martinborough Pinot Noir, left for New Zealand in 2007 to learn to make wine. Other than a few bucks, he took the spirit of his great-grandfather, Michelino Rotolico, a Sicilian winemaker, with him on this epic journey. So tell me, what happened when you left America in 2007? Well, it was uh, you know pretty slow going and pretty tough going for a while there, but uh, a lot of learning, a big learning curve, and yeah, just a big, big change in life really. At uh, yeah, 31 years of age, you know, which is uh, seems like a long time ago now, um, but yeah, it was kind of a big bold step, and uh, I just wanted to make a change and follow something I was really really interested in, and it did start with Martin Brapino. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so what were you doing in Philadelphia? I was running my family's restaurant, which is uh, there at 20th and Spring Garden in Philadelphia. Um, and it's been there since Prohibition in the family. Wow. Uh, now uh, my my brother is uh, running the place. We just actually 
wrapped up a week of events there in July, uh-huh. uh, which obviously is the first time I've been back there since uh, for a couple of years, two mm. and a half years. So that was really fun. And yeah, they're going strong and doing really well. And um, yeah, so I was running that place and doing like kind of wine program and uh, started down this sort of WSET route, but really wanted to get out of the restaurant business and be a part of making something. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was led to Hawke's Bay and, and the winemaking school here in Hawke's Bay. So. Yeah, because you studied enology and viticulture there. That's right, yeah. The the program that I found closest to Martinborough was in Hawke's Bay. And, uh, I'm glad I moved to Hawke's Bay, though. Martinborough's uh, a lovely town, but it's, it's quite small. It's and, very small, yeah. Uh, pre- pretty secluded, and uh, Hawke's Bay is just a little more lively and, you know, better weather and right on the ocean and, um, yeah, just got a great historic uh, wine and food scene here. So it's been a great place now to raise our daughters, and it's been a yeah, it's been a good move to move here. I'd only spoken to one person who uh, knew anything about Hawks Bay before I left Philadelphia, and they said, "Oh, best weather in New Zealand is an Aucklander," <laughs> and, I, and I, said, I said, "Oh, that sounds good to me." So yeah, no, it is absolutely a lovely place. It's, it's quite similar in some ways to Nelson, you know, sunny Nelson, sunny Hawks Bay, and wine absolutely. regions and all that. So yeah, there's a lot of. Co- um, common things there. Now, so you studied um, at um, EMIT or whatever it's called in in Hawke's Bay. And then what happened? How did you start Decibel Wines? Well, it started really quick, actually, you know, with a few ideas. And I knew I had had the restaurant and a lot of friends back in, in Philadelphia and, and in the U.S. And, um, and uh, that if I come up with something uh, we could get it there now uh, that they would take it you know and and um so right away i sort of discovered hawks bay um sauvignon blanc which uh, was really interesting to me and i thought oh the u.s would might pref- you know like the style and it'll be sort of an alternative style to um you know what was already very popular in the yeah, Marlboro Marlboro, style. yeah yeah and um and and um then the other one was Malbec. Right away, I was actually given some Malbec as a student. And, um, uh, you know, sometimes these growers say, hey, you know, come pick some of this fruit. We got a few rows. And I just fell in love with the varietal then. And, uh, you know, fast forward 10, 12 years down the track, and now I make three different Malbecs. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, the, so but the house and the wares and the, all that, you know, how did you set up a winery all of a sudden? I mean, it takes a bit of money to set up a business like that. And, and where did you decide to go and place it? And Yeah, know? well, it wasn't, it wasn't like uh, snap my finger and it happened that quick. It was a lot of stopping and starting and research. And, you know, I really didn't make, I made my first wines for Decibel in 2009. Didn't really, uh, you know, sat up late nights and came up with the name and, just started a, a company, and uh, basically by the time I finished school, uh, those wines were ready. And um, you know, I had some friends back home who were willing to throw in a few bucks and, uh, and family and stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, it started really, really tiny with just a, a couple hundred cases of Sab Blanc and like you know, two barrels of Malbec, basically. And um, and then I didn't make every wine every year, and I was still doing vintages, like I was going to the U.S. and Europe and back and forth. And, you know, it probably wasn't until 2000, maybe 15, where I started making more consistently, you know, a, a, a range of wines. Um, though, I, you know, 
probably 2013 was a big leap for me with Pinot Noir. I've gotten some great fruit that year and made a decent amount. It was, it was sort of like every other year, every two, three years, we make like another big leap. And it, it still kind of is that way now. You know, we're always evolving and everything. So I, I work with a lot of different growers too. So to be clear, I don't own, you know, I don't have capital tied up in a, in a large vineyard or anything like that. So it really, because of that, I was able to, I think, pivot pretty quick and, and keep up with the trends and the times and, you know, do my research when I would go overseas and and uh, and, and see what people were interested in, what they liked from New Zealand, what I thought was different and what I liked. And so, um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of um, what, what, uh, what what happened you know it wasn't like again uh right away exactly you know oh here, here we are here's uh 10 wines and here's our variety yeah we got to get into again. that because to yeah, be fair yeah. it's actually only recently that i tasted one of your wines and and became aware of decibel wine so that was the 2018 pinot noir and that's the reason you're on my show because okay. i really really enjoyed that wine and my husband did as well we were out uh, for dinner and we had it in a restaurant and oh, i decided well I need to find out who, who this company is, Decibel Wines, and so here we are. So, Daniel, tell me a little bit more about your different ranges of wines. So, yeah, Decibel is sort of the core range of the first few wines I made. Uh, they're all single vineyard wines, um, probably what, you know, we were first known for, and um, uh, and then about 2016, I, I had a, a lot of Malbec that I thought, well, this is going to be you know, sort of next level, and I'd always wanted to get into the premium Pinot Noir game as well, and, and Hawks Bay Chardonnay game, so I started the Testify range as kind of a, you know, my, what I call my hand on heart, and, um, you know, my sort of best effort, uh, what I say, I believe, you know, I testify, yep. and uh, and so that's my, you know, for lack of a better term, sort of reserve range, and Junta came about because of this Malbec Nouveau that I make, and I always wanted to call uh, the Junta wines. I always wanted to have a wine called Junta because that's my grandmother's maiden name, and uh, and they were farmers who immigrated to the Philadelphia area, really South Jersey area, which is kind of still has a lot of farms, um, and they were farmers in that in that region, and they just drank cool table wines, and so I, I like to say there's no rules in that range. You know, sometimes fruit pops up, and we want to do something interesting. We've done some sort of natural wines in that space and weird blends and things like that or, or strange varietals or stuff, one-off wines, things like that. And those wines tend to go to direct to restaurants and, uh, and, and, or get exported and things like that. And, and we feature them here in our shop in Hastings now in our, in our tasting room. But they tend to not see those wines in retail or anything like that. They tend to be out in restaurants mostly because, uh, you know, they're – they sort of do really good by the glass, you know, where people are like, oh, I want to be a little more adventurous and mm -hmm. try something interesting. So, um, and, and I like that as a winemaker, too, because it gives me a chance to experiment a lot. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, essentially, um, you've got three uh, ranges or three brands, Decibel, Junta, and Testify. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And how, how do they, uh, in terms of pricing, um, how do they differ? Yeah, so um, a little bit of crossover there with Junta and Testify. You know, t Juntas tend to be sort of sub $30. They sort of range from 15 to $30. Or Decibel is probably more, um, you know, 20 to 35 And um, And then Testify, 
you know, can go all the way up to, you know, our, our Testify Pinot Noir is a $65 wine, which, right. you know, premium Pinot from Martinboro can be over 100 so we mm-hmm. feel like we're still great value. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I was going to ask where exactly you get your grapes from, especially with the Pinot, because uh, obviously Hawke's Bay is not very famous for Pinot. It's other varietals that do really well there. So so where where do you source your grapes from? Um, we have a lot of different growers we've worked with. Sometimes, um, you know, some of them I've worked with since 2011, as long as that. Um, and some years, you know, like say for the Testify range, um, the fruit might not make it into Testify. Like this past year, we didn't make any Testify Red or Testify Pinot Noir. Um, the fruit just wasn't up to it. Um, so it might go into a different range. Um, and uh, Martin Bro has been... Uh, for the Pinot Noir, it's been a few different vineyards we've worked with over the years. Um, typically, over the last sort of well, maybe eight years, seven years, we've worked with uh, a couple different uh, soil clay soil sites. I really like the, the what they bring to the mid palate of Pinot Noir. Is uh, they sort of make them a little more sultry and interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with these Dijon clones that I love so much. Uh, the Abel clone is to get, you know, to get real geeky about Pinot Noir. The Abel clone is a real famous clone that is Martin Bros known for. And I actually don't use that one too much. Mm-hmm. I, I have used it a little bit in the past, but say that 2018 uh, Pinot Noir you had would have been all uh, Dijon clones on that clay soil. So it's, it's interesting. They're kind of quite perky with uh, a nice little, yeah, it was absolutely power. lovely. I, like, I want more. Yeah. <laughs> we got some. Don't oh, we? good, good. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, okay, so you get grapes from various places. Now, have you found that it has been difficult sometimes to source all the grapes you want? Um, sometimes. I mean, typically, you know, there was like a little, uh, I, I, there are, there was a little bit of a Sauvignon Blanc shortage going back a couple years ago, but we've worked with this one grower for a really long time, so there was no issues for us really there. Um, and then a lot of my other wines are so weird <laughs> or different or, you know, doing things like Viognier and Malbec that um, it's not really an issue. For me, it's about finding the right people to work with and developing those relationships. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's an overabundance of beautiful fruit in Hawke's Bay. Um, probably the, our biggest concern or my biggest concern in the last sort of six years is uh, to try to find more organic fruit. Um, we're now certified organic uh, we're, um, with a lot of our wines. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a big thing we're trying to push some of our growers in. And, of course, not everybody's ready for that. And we no, it's, that, it's a big job know. to convert, isn't it? Yeah. And it's an expensive exercise as well. Yeah, so we, we try to go along with that journey with them and invest with our growers in that. And, and some are just doing it themselves and have already done it. And, and uh, we're happy to, to be a be one of the customers uh, along with uh, some other great wine producers in the region. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, there's no one real answer to that, but uh, mostly it's about working with good people. Um, you know, life's too short to do otherwise. So, exactly. Yeah. You know, we, ha- we have relationships, and uh, and sometimes it's like, hey, well, this is this is a great grower, and these are great people, and this is what they have, and like, oh, we'll try to make something out of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've already mentioned uh, quite a few different grape varietals, so Pinot Noir, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Malbec, and, and so what else do you make? Well, we do a rosé, of course. Uh, we've traditionally done that out of either out of Pinot Noir or Merlot. Uh, now we have a organic, uh, certified organic rosé, which is pretty exciting for us, which we already have our 22 out. 
Mm-hmm. It's looking really good. Um, we've just released a pet net in the uh, ah. festival range, which is really exciting. It's, I call it a baby Blanc de Blanc. So it's a, a Chardonnay, uh, 100% organic Chardonnay uh, in that range. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Testify, the only one I didn't mention in the Testify range is the Chardonnay. Uh, that's an all barrel fermented. You know, you got to make a Hawks Bay Chardonnay. It's probably the best mm. thing we do in this mm. region. Um, and then in the Junta range, we do uh, a white blend we call the Crispy White, which is kind of Chardonnay with some aromatic varietals. And we do the Crunchy Red, which is, um, I say, a good use of Hawks Bay Pinot because we blend it with some other varietals like either Syrah or Malbec or Merlot. And, and kind of that's a chillable red. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, we've done some one-off, like a skin-fermented Viognier. We've done uh, Riesling, all in the gentle range. And then a big varietal that I love uh, is Chenin Blanc. And, mm. and uh, the last couple of years, or, you know, we've been making since 2019 with a, a fantastic grower in the Mangatahi Terraces, which is sort of a little more inland and a little more suited um, for uh, aromatics and Chardonnay and stuff, a little bit slightly cooler. Uh, up there, you start getting up an elevation. It's along the Naro River there, mm-hmm. and um, I'm lucky to get some of that fruit. One of five different winemakers who get fruit from this these amazing growers out there. Um, so that's traditionally been a Junta Chenin Blanc that's done really well for us and sold out. But now that's sort of graduating. I joke around and say to the decibel range because the price has gone up. Uh, it's certified organic fruit and the demand for it is just too high. It sort of doesn't really fit in the Junta range anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Shannon is just something I like to drink. So we just make like 150 cases of that a year and a little bit goes everywhere. And, and uh, some of it comes to my house too. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Where do you actually make the wine? So um, usually two different wineries here in Hawks Bay. I lease space with uh, one in the Gibbo Gravels and uh, a little bit out at a winery called Paratua, which is uh, where I was assistant winemaker for about four years. And That's a lovely little place. I know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good friends of ours. Mm-hmm. Kind of, we, uh, we're with the same distributor in New Zealand, and I got them with my importer in the U.S., so... They're kind of like a brother-sister winery to yeah. us because they, they do a lot of classic Hawks Bay stuff, and we do a lot of different Hawks Bay stuff. So mm, mm. Um, they're always happy to have, you know, let me borrow a few tanks and uh, store my some of my barrels there and things like that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the Hawks Bay wine region has been around for a very long time. Did you find coming in as a foreigner and a newcomer on the wine scene that there were any issues? People would sort of look sideways to you, or w- were you welcomed with open arms? Um, I think uh, in the wine community, there's a lot of international people and influence, and a lot of the winemakers and even some of the viticulturists have done harvest overseas and um you know they share the passion for um you know the great wines of europe and stuff coming out of the west coast and the u.s and so um you know we're i'm the same way now too is you're always looking for new ideas and new people and different things so um but i wasn't the first one you know there was a lot of people from europe and the u.s who have done done things in hawks bay Mm -hmm. before um, and have done for many, many years. So, um, you know, uh, I think I've done my own little thing and my own version of it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, that said, definitely in the early years, especially, 
you know, most of my friends in Hawke's Bay were French and Canadian and English. And, you know, we you just tend to be hanging around with a lot of the, the sort of immigrants because, um, you know, you, you don't have that historic circle of friends from high school or mm. uni or something True. that. So yep. uh, that's how I ended no, it up. It takes time. Using. It takes time it, to, to yeah, build up does, a New Zealand, uh, you know, friendships. Yeah. So I want to change the subject. The name Decibel, how did you choose that? Oh, yeah, good question. Well, I used to work in the music industry uh, right out of, uh, well, we say college, but right out of uni in, in the States. And uh, uh, a friend of mine had a band out of New York, out of the Bronx, that was doing quite well. And they asked me to come aboard after I helped them do a few gigs. And, and uh, so there was there was a bit of a, you know, a nickname for years was uh, because my initials are DB uh decibel dan and oh. uh, i used to sign the emails that way when i was working with a lot of the sound techs and everything and so when i was thinking of wine names you know i, I actually used to have db on the labels but once i got to uh, i lived in new zealand for a while i said oh i gotta stay away from that because db breweries will exactly come yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 and and there was also d bartolo wines in uh australia so i wanted to i just wanted to stay away from it completely but the word decibel always stuck and i always thought it was a good name it was kind of modern and it told the story and yeah and you know there's a lot of imagery around that so mm. um, yeah that's kind of where it comes from exactly so you d you have already mentioned that you also have a shop because it's not just uh making wine and selling wine and having a label called decibel you also have decibel central in hastings so tell me what that is um yeah, we were looking for a home for quite a while, and uh, friends of ours have this uh, distillery and gin bar, uh, Hastings Distillers here, and they had a space available in a really great uh, area where I am actually right at this moment in, in downtown Hastings, and Hastings has become, you know, since I've lived here the last 15 years, it's just kept keeps developing and getting more interesting and a lot of good little shops and restaurants. Mm, so, mm, it's a lovely little town. Uh, yeah, the, the idea of like an urban tasting room was was really uh, appealing, and we used to do private tastings out at our our home, uh, out on a, on a vineyard, uh, friends of ours' vineyard. We used to live on, and and that was cool. But it was time for a change when this came up. So we kind of all invested in Hastings. We have a warehouse here. We bought a house here. We're five minutes away, and uh, we're now in this this sort of downtown tasting room. So we call it Decibel Central because it's our offices, and and we do tastings here, and it's a uh, a wine shop as well, probably yeah. first and foremost. We have uh, all our wines in the window, and uh, people can pop in and grab a bottle instead of going to the supermarket up the road. You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I also understand that you have a collaboration with some local artists, and I think there's also a piano in the shop? That's right, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, all our labels are done by a great local artist named Rakai Karatiana, and mm -hmm. um, him and his wife have been collaborators and friends of mine for you know 10 years now and um we work together on a lot of different things he's even done he does some photography so he's done some photo shoots for us and just generally a lot of imagery and things like that that we work on together and um he's just a really interesting creative person so he's great to work with and um and yeah it just so happened a friend of ours has this sort of mobile baby grand piano that uh, he wants to store in our shop, and we said sure. So actually, in a, on Friday we're we're doing we're having a great local musician come and play piano for a couple hours, and we're we're doing that more and more on Friday afternoons into the spring. Um, people can come by, and you know the doors are open, and sort of after work come and taste some wines and 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 hang out. So 
Uh, we're also doing like a little more sort of private winemaker tastings with, um, you know, there's some imported wines and importers who come and do uh, private tastings here. Um, and so just kind of generally want to be the wine place in Hastings yeah. uh, where, you know, people can come and people in the industry can come hang out. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's we're at 101 um, Warren Street South in Hastings. Can't miss us right on the corner. Great. I can't wait to visit. So, Daniel, one last question. You recently come back from a trip to Italy, and I guess to visit um, relatives and maybe drink Italian wine. So tell me a little bit about your trip. Yeah, sure. The first few weeks of the trip, uh, we, we sort of got to Italy, and then I had to keep working. So I went to Ireland, where we have a great uh, sort of new importer there, and that was really exciting because... They were really thirsty for uh, sort of different stuff from New Zealand, uh, as well as our Hawks Bay Sauvignon Blanc, but um, they're taking things like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay as well, and uh, the Malbec Nouveau. Um, so that was exciting. And then I went and did two weeks in the Philadelphia area events. I mentioned that week we did events. Uh, and so, um, and then some work in New Jersey as well. And then, yeah, then it was time to hang with the family. So my wife's from the Lake Como area, mm. um, sort of north Milano, and we spent time with her family there. We snuck up into the Italian-speaking uh, part of Switzerland, which is kind of interesting. It was a little bit of a wine region where we were at, too, and stayed with some friends there for a couple nights, and then we went with family over into Antibes and just went to the beach basically every day for a week. Um, nice. which, and it was so hot. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like, I think it was the hottest Europe scene in a long time. Uh, I know people probably read about the heat waves in the UK yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But so we were just at the beach every day. And then, um, uh, but Italy is just fantastic. I mean, the people, the food and the wine and people are just so nice and so good to children. Like we were, you know, it, was, it hadn't been overseas for a while, and we were just reminded of how nice everybody. Like, you go to a nice restaurant, and they don't mind if your baby's yeah, yeah. sort of, you know, they accommodate to all that. And our seven year old. Do you speak Italian? Really well. uh, I'm getting better. My daughter's fluent now. Obviously, yeah. my wife is, was born there and everything, so she's great. So I'm, I'm learning, getting better and better. And on this, this trip, I felt like I made some good strides, and I can really understand what's going on now. Um, but just speaking it and getting that confidence, is, it, it's coming. So we're we're working on it more and more as a family, too. But by the time we left, my daughter was perfectly fluent because she had heard it since she was a baby. And my wife, that's all she speaks at home. So, um, But we did sneak into uh, uh, Piedmonte to visit uh, some friends there. And, I mean, that has quickly become, over the last sort of five years, uh, one of my favorite places as far as geeking out about wine in the world the nebbiola grape is just mind-blowing of mm. the, the the variations of it and different soil types what it can do um as so well do as i hear there might be some nebbiolo grown in hawks bay anytime soon there there is some there's a couple people that have some i i don't know if we could you know we'd probably do our own version of it i know one producer does it and it's nothing like i mean it's good but it's nothing like what you would have there from Barbaresca or Barolo mm. or, or even the Nebi Longue Nebbiola. It's, it's, it's a Hawks Bay Nebbiola. It's just its own thing. It really is an interesting varietal in that it's very responsive to weather and soil and everything. Um, and I like all different versions of it for different occasions, you know. 
Um, and so we had we went and visited a friend there in the Diano uh, Appalachian, which is a really special little spot where it was personally my favorite Dolcetto wines I'd ever had. They just were much more streamlined and aromatic and uh, probably a little more acid driven, which is definitely what me and my friends are into. You know, we even I even do a wine called the Crunchy Red, and that's because that's that red blend I do in the Junta range because I love drinking those sort of fresher styles of reds um, that are more vibrant. And I'm, I'm just, I tend to not drink a lot of Bordeaux these days and yeah. big reds or anything. I, I like the, the and, and, and Piemonte has those wines just forever. You know, you could, mm. you could forever discover wines like yeah. that. So it sounds like region. you're really fascinated by Italian wine, but are you so fascinated that you would give up your New Zealand uh, wine business and move to Italy? Oh, I don't know. That's uh, if I'd be lying, and I think you'd talk to any winemaker. They would say if that option was on the table, but you know, financially and and realistically, who knows? But anything's possible. But um, no, I wouldn't say anything like that in okay. the near future. Great. But, uh, All right. Know, if you, if you, yeah. <laughs> on that note, Daniel Brennan from Desbel Wines, thank you so very much for coming on this the final edition of For the Love uh, of Wine, sharing your stories with me and our listeners here on Fresh of M. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me, and congratulations on uh, this great show you and run you've had. Great thank job. you very much. Cheers. Bye. All right. Cheers. Bye. Well, that was quite a statement there from Daniel Brennan to end the final show with. Very interesting indeed, although I'm not sure everyone would agree with him. In fact, I do know a few New Zealand winemakers who wouldn't swap, although they of course appreciate the very best of Italian wines and food. I mean, who doesn't? Let's leave it at that for now. I want to thank all the listeners who've tuned in to For the Love of Wine during the last two plus years. It's been a fun journey for me. I've enjoyed working with the staff at Fresh FM and I hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show. First broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.